Welcome back to Femme Fatale, podcast in supporting women in sci-fi and fantasy writing. I am here this week to talk about uh, more of like the details of this topic and why it is something that needs to be recognized. The difference between women um, authors in sci-fi and fantasy versus men and kind of some articles and statistics and all that stuff to back up what I'm saying here. Uh, so this week I have my friend Noelle Rathenau with me to help discuss this topic and go over a few things with you guys. Sounds good. I'm excited. <laughs> this is one of my passion topics, so. Oh, yeah. It's, I'm excited that you asked me. I've also been hounding you to get me on this podcast since the beginning, <laughs> which was like three weeks ago. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you're the first person, so. <laughs> yeah, and I'm honored, truly honored. Oh, okay. So I'm just going to ask you a few questions and introduce you to everyone. Sure. Um, so first of all, can you list your five favorite books? Oh, you know that's a cardinal sin of book <laughs> nerdum. Come on. Okay. Um, if you have uh, a weapon to my head, because uh, oh I don't want to get you dinged, so I'm not going to say the G word, um, I'm going to choose uh, Bear Town by Frederick Bachman. Oh, yeah. I'm going to choose um, the probably the Era of Navron, which is book three in the Rhaera Revelations fantasy book series by Michael J. Sullivan. I'm going to choose... The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak. I'm going to choose North and South by... Why did her name just leave my brain? Oh, no. (laughs) Hold on. No, guys, this is bad. She's a classic author. Um, I'm literally Googling this right now. This is so bad. (laughs) It's okay. I have failed as a person in book dumb. I don't know. It's okay. I, I don't. There I was a very this book. So <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a really popular uh, BBC miniseries akin to Elizabeth Gaskell. Her name is Elizabeth Gaskell. Wow, <laughs> that shouldn't have taken as long as it did, and I'm I really apologize. It's okay for taking that long. Um, it's a late 18th century or 1800s uh, novel talking about the social structure between Ooh. the North and the South of England. Um, there's a really not a really popular, but a decently popular BBC miniseries about it with uh, Richard Armitage uh, playing the main guy. Uh, nice. Thorin Oakenshield, for those of you who have seen The Hobbit. Um, yeah, it's a great book, and I love it because it shows his uh, his viewpoint as well as um, the woman's. Mm. And so you get to see kind of like both sides of yeah. the conflict when in like a Jane Austen novel or an Emily, yeah. Emily Bronte novel, you would only get the main character's point yep. of view. You don't get multiple POV, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, and I have one more to choose. Oh, gosh. Um, I'm going to go with Catching Fire by Ooh. Suzanne Collins. I my I always joke that um, The Hunger Games is my soulmate series. It's not something I always talk about. It's not something I'm always reading, but it's always something that I love and always love go back going back mm. to and can pull out new things every time. Um, and I also think that it's so relevant to where society is right now, especially reading. I read that at the beginning of 2020 and, and then the Mm. year started to go to what it did. And I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. So we're closer to this than I thought. Awesome. (laughs) Um, so yeah, those are my five favorite books. I'm sad that you made me choose. I'm so sorry, (laughs) but also not sorry because I book recommendations now. Yes. Yes. (laughs) 
Awesome. And you you have your own podcast. I do have my own podcast. Do it is wanna... not a book podcast. <laughs> it is not. But do you want to like kind of talk sure, about it Sure, I'll plug it. Um, so I host a Detroit sports podcast called the CNC Replay um, with two of my childhood best friends. Uh, I forced them to become, we were childhood best friends in different areas of our lives. Um, so I was friends with Chris and then I was friends with Corey in separate areas of my life. And I didn't really have anybody to talk to sports, talk to about sports in my life because my family's not really sports people. Um, None of my other friends are really sports people. And so I would send them both the same text in like the same 30 seconds, right? But in separate messages. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is dumb. I'm putting you both in a pod, in a a group chat and we're talking about this together. And so that was how they became friends. Um, And so we did that for about three years until we were like, wow, we're really smart. And like, we know so much. We should do a podcast together. (laughs) We really don't. We're pretty dumb. Um... But we like talking about sports, so we cover the Red Wings, the Lions, the Pistons, and the Tigers. Um, the Red Wings are my first love. They're mm-hmm. my favorite. I love hockey. Um, so books, hockey, and uh, refugees. I can talk about the, those three subjects probably forever. So. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think we're ready to get started. Sounds good to me. Awesome. Okay, so for those of you who've been listening since uh, episode one, you know that B.E. Schwab is my one true love. I'm sorry, Zach, but she is. Um, <laughs> Zach being your husband. Yes, I don't Zach know is my husband. <laughs> um, no, but I, I love you, Zach. Um, and she is kind of the reason I started this podcast because um, in 2020, she had this Twitter thread about her experiences as a sci-fi fantasy author and things she's gone through because she's a woman in these genres. And so I'm going to start off by reading those tweets uh, to you. So first of all, these are word for word from Schwab's quote uh, tweets. Excuse me. Um, I've not made any of this up. So it starts off, uh, V.E. Schwab says, quote, When I was 22, I asked a fellow male author if they wanted to trade manuscripts. He told me he'd send me his, but he didn't want mine because pretty girls were meant for pictures instead. That was my only value to him. His art, my body. In the next uh, tweet, uh, quote is, When I was 23, a panel of male authors saw me taking my seat beside them at a con and said, Oh, you're in the wrong room. The dumb YA panel is next door. End of quote. And the next one is when I was 25, a male fan said they were so glad I used a gender-neutral pseudonym because he never would have picked up my book if they'd known I was a woman. And the next one says, when I was 27, I hit the New York Times list, and instead of congratulating me, a male author told me he had to go to therapy because my success just really threw him. And she goes on to say that when she was 28, that same author told her in front of her entire publishing team that I shouldn't be on panel with him because I wasn't entertaining enough entertaining enough since I couldn't take a joke and when she was 30 um, she says I took a photo with a piece of fan art and a group of male authors started trashing me in slack chats for being a narcissist because I was obviously proud of my work uh, and then she says when I was 31 a male author said I was only popular because my publisher chose me instead of them negating the years I'd spent proving myself with cold hard sales 
and uh, there's three more here. Um, next one says, quote, when I was forgot when I was 26 or so, I criticized the relentless sexual assault and portrayal of female characters in a book without tagging the author, and he tracked me down and set his followers after me, encouraging them as they called me a bitch and a c-word. And then um, she goes on to talk about how um, she didn't say anything because nobody was talking about this. This wasn't really a known issue uh, until... I think, I feel like Schwab was the one who started it and started talking about it. Yeah, I'm sure that there have been other people that have been like, ugh, this thing happened today. But I think because she gave such specific instances and like direct mm-hmm. quotes and made it a thread. And also, also she's a very popular author. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, that helps. Unfortunately, right. that is what often gets things done is fame and influence. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was... I'd seen these before and forgot about them until you asked me to do this podcast and was like, hey, <laughs> these things. And I was like, oh, yeah, that happened in, you know, the uh, middle of the year last year. How was that only last year? I, yeah. Ooh. COVID. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was kind of where everything started. And then you got all of the articles and mm-hmm. everything else yep. that followed. Yeah. Yep. I mean, the fact that, like, like – you said like Schwab is a very well-known author. I mean, her book Addie Larue has been on the like New York Times bestseller list list for almost a year now. Mm-hmm. Like that does not happen. <laughs> nope. Um, and this is happening to her, and she's like she said like very clearly established herself, and people are still like, mm, you don't deserve this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is frustrating. Yeah, which is really frustrating. And then while I was doing my research, I found that there were, um, back in 20, uh, 2017, 2017? Yeah, 2017. Um, so 2017. So three years before this, um, there was a group of female authors in, I saw both in, like, the book and publishing sphere and in, like, journalism writing mm. articles. Okay. Um, the one I saw specifically was sports, mm. uh, which is a whole other soapbox that I could stand on for hours. But Joanne Harris, who, uh, during the premiere of her book, Chocolate, was not congratulated by a famous male author. Instead, he turned to congratulate her male publisher who was standing right next to her. Mm, and so she tweeted about that. <laughs> yep, she used oh the tweet. Gosh. She t- tweeted about that and then used the hashtag things only women writers here. Yeah. Um and that caught on in yeah. the female author sphere in all genres obviously like I said um and just kind of went on yeah. kind of a tirade and then obviously these things come and go in in ebbs and flows, right? So right. like in 2017 you had this peak and then nobody talked about it for right. a while and then B.E. Schwab had her thing and then there were a bunch of articles again and then yes. nobody's talking about it again. Like yep. so it's it's a roller coaster of things. Yeah. Um but yeah, do you mind if I read a couple of these because oh, yeah. you know, some of them are just so fun. <laughs> um so NK Jemison who is the writer of the Broken Earth series and the um Inheritance Inheritance uh, something series. They're both high fantasy not works. Um, she goes, quote, Why do you hate white people? Why are you such an angry black woman? All caps. How dare you uh, explode? End quote. 
Well then. Yes. So racist mm. and sexist. Super fun. Yeah. Um, wow. Oh. Diana Gab- uh, Gabludon says, quote, we can't put your degrees in your bio. It will intimidate your readers, end quote. Um, excuse me. No, you <laughs> flaunt that. No. <laughs> uh-huh. Megan Abbott says, quote, aw, what's a sweet, nice, gentle, dainty person like you doing writing crime novels, end quote. Oh my gosh, that, <laughs> so I am mm-hmm. this tiny person. I'm like five feet tall and a hundred pounds. So that just like irks me to my core. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer Weiner, Weiner, something like that. Sorry, I'm a middle school boy when it comes to that kind of stuff, so I automatically just laugh. <laughs> Sorry, Jennifer. It's not your fault. It's whoever decided that was a last name. I'm so sorry. Uh, Jennifer Weiner says, quote, when are you going to write a real book? Question mark. End mm. quote. Um, uh, Rocheline Maltese says, don't you worry, uh, quote, don't you worry about how that will reflect on your children? End quote. Um, and there's, I mean, this article that I'm reading has hundreds, like, I think there's probably, yeah. maybe not hundreds, but like f- upwards of 50 tweets about all these things, right? And so it's just something that men don't have to worry about in the same, Mm-mm. in the same way, you know? No. They have to worry about their writing on, on merit of if they can write and, and if they can network correctly and obviously women have to do both of those things you know network correctly and and write well but Mm -hmm. there's also the the barrier of oh you are a woman which means you can't you the 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 cultural zeitgeist that we have is Mm -hmm. that you cannot write probably in general but specifically in fantasy and sci-fi yes you know yeah, I think especially that last one that you that you quoted about, you know, don't like don't you worry about this reflecting on your children. It's like I I would be shocked if a male author was asked that same question. It's like only women are asked questions about their kids and it's like I don't mm-hmm. understand. It's like that there's no it's not like kids are only affected by the things their mom does, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's it's not just women who should be asked those questions. I mean, really a professional should not be asked those questions in general. Mm-hmm. It's like people shouldn't be concerning themselves with their personal life. Yep. Unless they freely offer those right. things, you know, yeah. full brain to ask those questions. Yes. <laughs> but if they're there promoting their book, male, female, whoever, yes. if they're there promoting their book, don't ask them about their home life. Don't ask right. them about what they do on the weekends. Unless it's like, how do you relax from writing your book? Yeah, like those you can ask questions like that. Right. But yeah, yes, yeah, fully agree. You don't just like bring in outside, especially in like a degradating manner. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. You can be like, um, I don't even know how to like see. Like even I'm going. Well, I can't say that because that makes it sound like the children have any say in what mom's doing or what yeah. dad's doing yeah. or what a parent is doing. Like, so it's yeah. And I think the thing is, is that don't you worry how you'll reflect on your children. Like, that is a very degrading thing to say. Right. It's like, I'm, honestly, I'm sure she was thinking about, like, hey, if this goes well, my children are going to be okay for life. Yeah. Right? Right. Like, she's not thinking, like, oh, they're going to be, like, really embarrassed by the work I do. And I, honestly, I don't know what Rochelle Line Maltese writes, so I couldn't, yeah, it, like, even speak to that if it's, like, an erotica or something, like, that would be more frowned upon in a sphere that would reflect negatively on, like, two children. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even, like, just asking that question, though, it's like, 
you should be at home, like, focused on your kids or, like, in the kitchen or whatever, not doing this thing. And it, it just the connotation that it brings is so, like you said, degrading and it's just disgusting and frustrating. <laughs> yeah, and I think, so in my research for this, because this is something that, like, I think about a lot and I um, talk to friends about a lot, is there there's several parts to this right the several parts several parts to the sexism um <laughs> let's put that on a t-shirt yeah. uh you have the the sexism in the publishing front of office where yep. agents are not t- picking up um manuscripts with uh female names on the front because yep. they don't know that they will do as well yep you have the middle part where advertising and stuff um which we can talk about in a little bit usually tends to have women who write in a fantasy genre Mm -hmm. geared more towards young adult whether or not they're actually young adult Mm. and then you have the last part which is the consumer yeah because of integrated sexism and on um and underlying bias and all of that stuff yeah are automatically just going to assume certain things about a book with a woman's name on it as opposed to a book with a man's name on it so you have like those three those three separate parts so right now we're kind of talking more about the publishing side of it right yeah um and in kind of looking for instances and explanations for that i found this article um that was published in 2015 by katherine nichols who is a female author and the the title of this article is Ham de plume what i learned sending my novel out under a male name um so katherine nichols is not a debut author she's written one book before mm-hmm. when she before she published this article yeah um at the time of publishing she had already one book on the market and it had done decently well by all accounts. Yep. She starts the article talking about learning about unconscious bias and understanding that the women in her sphere had started publishing under pseudonyms and under mm-hmm. um, initials, like V.E. Schwab and N.K. Jemison and all them. Yep. Um, and she felt dishonest and creepy is the, is the direct quote that she uses in here. Okay. And so she didn't do it. Um, she did send up a email under a man's name. Um, the name that she uses in this article was George Lair, um, and then left it empty. She didn't do with anything with it for weeks and weeks and weeks. She had sent out 50 copies of her cover letter and the first couple pages of her new book mm-hmm. to agents to get to publishers. Mm-hmm. The way the publishing works is you have to send it to an agent, and then the agent is your advocate to the publisher. You don't go yep. right to the publisher, right? Yep. And so she's sending it to a bunch of agents who are hopefully going to say, yeah, send me your manuscript, I'm going to send it along, or I'm going to read it, and hopefully we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, She sent out 50, and out of those 50, it took months and months to get two requests for manuscript. Mm -hmm. So um, she, feeling, you know, downtrodden and, like, really exhausted and just, like, fully sick of this, on, she goes, on a, sim di- on a dim Saturday morning, I copy-pasted my cover letter and the opening pages of my novel from my regular email into George's account. I put in the address of one of the f- agents I'd intended to query under my own name. I didn't expect to hear back for weeks, if at all. It would only be a few queries, and then I'd close out my experiment. I began preparing another query, checking the submission requirements on the agency's website. When I clicked back, there was already a new message, the first one in the empty inbox. Mr. Lair, delighted, excited, please send manuscript. Almost all publishers only accept submissions through agents. We talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so she just kind of goes on and talking about um, how many queries she sent out. So she sent out six that day. Within 24 hours, he had five responses, three manuscript requests, 
two warm rejections, praising his exciting project. For contrast, under my own name, the same letter and pages sent out 50 times had netted a total of two manuscript requests. Uh, A couple sentences later, the judgments about my work that had seemed as solid as the walls of my house had turned out to be meaningless. My novel was not the problem. It was me, Catherine. So, um, total data for George. He sent out 50 queries, Mm -hmm. and he got 17 manuscript requests back. Yep. He, and then she goes on to say that he is eight and a half times better than me at writing the same book. Fully a third of the agents who saw his query wanted to see more, where my numbers did never did shift from one in 25. Mm. So this little experiment is under the same vein of why? Why? Why is that yeah. the standard? Why is that the, the place that we've been in? Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, you feel, are you going to start saying something? Yep, you, yep. Go for it, go for it. Start talking, <laughs> cut me off. Uh, so that is, that is a huge question that a lot of, a lot of people have been asking. I mean, you, we have like a list that you came up with of like different female authors. It's like they have pseudonyms, mm-hmm. just like two initials and their last name. I mean, even J.K. Rowling, like, who, say what you will about her, whatever. That's not the discussion we're having nope, here today. it is not. <laughs> she published this because she was writing about a young boy, and yep. she didn't want just girls to read it. So she yeah. didn't publish under Joanne. Right. She published under JK so that Harry would be able to get to a wider crowd. Yes, and it did. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. And so, I mean, the fact that this, that women have to be conscious of this when they're thinking about publishing is, it's it's awful. I mean, because then essentially they're stripping themselves of their own identity and able in order to be published and get their stories out, and that's not that's not okay. Uh, there was um, an article that I read talking about that that point and how. Um, oh shoot! What did it say? I think I have it written down. Um, oh, okay. So it wasn't talking about pseudonyms specifically, but it was talking about. Um, it was a, an article written, um, in the Guardian, um, so it's not, like, peer-reviewed or anything, but it is talking about how there are more manuscripts by, in the science fiction field specifically, that are well-regarded, and those ones are written by men, and there's this, like, honor or something (laughs) called the 29 grandmasters of science fiction Mm -hmm. and that just i don't know what it is and i don't know why it's a thing but it is i'm assuming it's like the poet laureate (laughs) but like less cool (laughs) which (laughs) it's funny to say that like poetry is like cool yeah i mean it is cool no no no. i love poetry i write poetry but like in a in a space of Oh, the wider world and the wider yes. audience. Poetry is like the weird emo kid sitting in the back of the classroom. <laughs> I right? mean, yeah. You know, not the, you know, the zillennial teenager sitting yes. in the front with her pumpkin spice lattes and all that good stuff, which we can get on that different, that's a different train. And that was yes, me making a very generalized stereotype, and I apologize for that. But in your head, when you think of cool and not cool, that's where you go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so out of the 29 grandmasters in this categorization, only four of them were women. And some of those are, like, Ursula K. Le Guin and uh, N.K. Jemisin 
and so like very well-known authors Mm -hmm. and they were rightly recognized because they are pioneers in that genre but is it every year thing Yes, it is an every, every year. year so thing. it's been going on for 30 years. Right. When was this article published? Um, so this one was published in... 2013. So we've yeah. had a couple years since then. 2013, 29. Yep. It's been eight years. Yes. So we're at 37. 37 years this has been happening. So almost 40 years. Yep. So this is... The numbers are probably a little bit different at yeah. this point. Um, so take that into consideration. But still. Right. Four in almost 30 years. Right. Since that article, or in the time that that was article was published. Yep. And that's, I mean. Which only puts you in the late 80s. Yep. Right? You're not, and it's not like that was, we had we had gotten past the suffragette of women at that point. <laughs> yep. Wave like four, whatever, whatever number of suffragette movements that was. Yeah. You know, we've gotten past that. Right. Women can vote. Women could own property. Yes. Uh... Taxes, credit cards, all that good stuff. Like, yeah. that was all happening late 80s. Credit cards, maybe not so much, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so, the fact that it's only been four in those, mm-hmm. in, in the modern era. I yes. think we would consider that the modern era, right? Yes, very much so. We only had four in the modern era. And that's, yeah. like, wild. Yeah, I mean, that's not, that is, that is a low percentage when you do the math. And I'm not going to do it because I can't do math. Um, <laughs> but... Later on in the article, they talk about how men are more well-regarded in science fiction because it's considered a more serious genre as opposed to fantasy. Fantasy is like fairy tales and whimsical and whatever, which I... The the fact that people say this, it's like, have you freaking read Lord of the Rings? How can you say that? Like, that is some dense material. <laughs> like, it's dense and it's dark, but it's also, like, whimsical and happy. Like, right. And I think that's what makes the genre great is that you can have both ends of that spectrum. Yes. And obviously Tolkien was, a, was one of the first people to start that. Yeah. Um, especially in, like, the modern era. But, like... Right. But, I mean, the mm-hmm. fact that it's l- considered less than mm-hmm. science fiction is... is it's crazy to me because it's like it doesn't it literally doesn't make sense it's just a preference Mm -hmm. in writing Mm -hmm. in my opinion Mm -hmm. but apparently i'm wrong well we have about (laughs) the same evidence for aliens that we do unicorns so you know i mean exactly like (laughs) what (laughs) right like in in the grand scheme of like which one is more fictional air quotes about more around more fictional yes is science fiction people tend to give more credence to because it has the word science in it. Yes. At least that's what I'm assuming. Is yeah. that like uh you have a brave new world and yep. uh anything Andy Weir has written, mm-hmm. um, all of those things, which can be based in science and in yes. fact that yep. we know in this world. Yeah. But also they're not like true things they're not truth they don't exist in this world it's a made-up place yeah i mean you know right the point of science fiction is taking technology that is experimental or not really plausible at the time period and expanding on it and doing something with it running with it i mean frankenstein Mm -hmm. it's like bringing like is using it was based off the idea of using electricity to like bring someone back to life Mm -hmm. and that's where like but that's you can't create a human and bring them to life with electricity. Like, that's not a thing. Mm-mm. And so it's... Well, 
I think Crash Carts would have something to say about that. Okay, well, okay. But, they're, <laughs> but you they can't didn't... piece together yes. months-old human bones <laughs> yes. and sinews and create yes. a new human being with a conscience and a yes. sociology behind their brain. Yes, yes. the uh, yes, that, that aspect. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, modern, modern medicine. Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> I really do not want to see a piecemeal human walking around. No, no, Frank- no Frankenstein's monsters, please. No, no thank you. Uh... And so, like, in that in that respect, it doesn't feel really any different from fantasy. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that it's considered less than is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, any woman who writes what she thinks or she would categorize as science fiction is automatically put into fantasy mm-hmm. because that is the less than genre. That's a genre that would be, quote-unquote, easier to write, easier for a woman to write because mm-hmm. she's not as competent as a man. Mm-hmm. There's also the aspect of it where, um, because I think because a lot of the time, uh, popular romance authors are women, that's where that, uh, tends to lend itself. Yeah. Other than Nicholas Sparks, you got Nora Roberts and everybody else, right? Yeah. Um, and so when a publisher gets a book that has an aspect of romance, and I know I do in my own life, do a lot of crapping on Sarah J. Moss um, (laughs) for various reasons that I don't need to get into. (laughs) But because her books are are classified as fantasy romance, they are automatically slotted into the YA genre because YA is for teenage girls. Right. Um, And good Lord, those books are not YA. (laughs) You do not want to give that to a child. No. Do not give that to anybody under the age of 18. Specifically Akatar, so a court of... Thorns and Roses. Yes, for real. So here's my thing. I just don't like reading smut in fiction. I just don't like it. It's not yeah. something I enjoy. Um, and so I, I try to avoid it if if possible. Right. And especially because Akatar has been described to me as porn with a plot. <laughs> I just am going to avoid that at all costs. Thank you. It feels like a bad soap opera and or the reality TV show of mm, fiction. Yeah. But I know fair. a lot of people love it. Yeah. And that's whatever fine you are allowed to have your opinion but i did read the first book of thorn and glass throne of glass throne of glass by (laughs) sarah j moss which is her ya marketed series yep akatar typically is placed in the adult fantasy section it's not usually placed in the young adult section i did see it in a young adult section recently though and i was like why (laughs) yes and that's the problem is that book stores can do that right as they will or as they read well, you know, whatever um, inventory they get from the publishing company, yep. they can kind of assess that and put it wherever they want to. Yeah. Um, but Throne of Glass, I read the first one because I didn't really know anything about it, and I like fantasy novels. That's kind of my genre. So I read it, and I was like, hey, this it seems pretty good, but there were also aspects of sexual content in it. Not as yeah. intense as Akatar, but still a little bit. And so it probably rightfully is in the YA section. That one makes sense for there. Yeah. But you don't, you don't put... Akatar in a YA novel just because it was written by a woman. There are yeah. plenty, plenty of male authors that write sexual content in their books. Yep. They never get put into the YA into the YA section. There are a ton of male authors that write romance that don't end in sexual content, you know? Yeah. And they don't end up in the YA section. Right. Exactly. But because there's a woman's name attached to it, it often gets placed there. Yeah. And that's a huge double standard. Yeah, right? it is. It's, and it's just, it's, yeah. So that's another pet peeve of mine, but it's another additive 
to that aspect. And I think a lot of that is the, that second tier of, of sexism, that second section of sexism we were talking about, uh, where it's, it's the marketing aspect of it. Yeah. It's very much the, what is the publishing company doing to Mm -hmm. promote this book and help the author get the word out there? Yeah. Um, it's interesting because as you were talking, I was just kind of thinking about other books in like adult books and YA books I've read that aren't fantasy or sci-fi. And it's like, I don't think I've ever read a book that was miscategorized in a different genre. I've all, it's only been fantasy or sci-fi. Yep. Cause like if there's a YA romance book, it's very clearly YA. Mm-hmm. Or if there's a, an adult literature, like literary kind of non not nonfiction, but uh, like the Nightingale or yes. uh, where the crawdad's saying yes. or something like that. Something yeah. like that. It's like it's very obvious that it's an adult book. So why is there this discrepancy between fantasy and sci-fi, where all of a sudden publishers are like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like what there shouldn't be a change. You yep. know, the the line should still be the same, like ratings for movies. You know, although there are sometimes movies where I question the rating. Yes, true. Yeah, and I think. Honestly, this is something that I've come to want more often in books is, like, trigger warnings and content yeah, warnings. Yeah, yep. Um, and that, again, is another soapbox. We have, I have a lot of soapboxes <laughs> I could get on. It's okay. That's um, what this is for. <laughs> but I think that that would probably really help distinguish the lines between the sci-fi fantasies, young adult and um, adult. And there's also this weird new category that's popped up in probably the last 15, 20 years called new adult. Yep. That does have so aspects confusing. of both a young adult genres and adult, uh, sorry, young adult content and adult content. Yeah. And some good examples of that are the Six of Crows trilogy by Lee Bardugo. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. It doesn't have any explicit sexual content, but mm-hmm. it is very, very, very violent. Yes. Like, very. Like, very. Um, that's <laughs> yeah. not something that bothers me, so honestly, I didn't really notice it. I didn't either. I did have people <laughs> point it out to me, and I've, I've heard podcasts where people are like, check the trigger warnings on this book before you read it, because it is mm-hmm. super violent. I mean, it follows a band of misfits that are mostly murderers. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is violent. <laughs> it's very violent. So, like, that's one that kind of fits into that weird category. Yeah. And I've seen people put Akatar in the new adult category, and you're kind of like... And I think that one's more for the sexual content and a little bit of violence. Yeah. Um, That's really interesting because, one, I always thought of Six of Crows as a young adult. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think there's many bookstores that have a new adult category. No, nobody has a new adult category. Like, That's <laughs> the why issue. Why is this a thing? <laughs> because it's it's cropped up on fandom online. BookTok, okay. BookTube, Bookstagram, all of those places have created this, con- created this category because they can't... S- a, in my head, you can't suggest Six of Crows to a 14-year-old. No. And you can't okay. suggest, but you can suggest Six of Crows to an adult. Yes. You know what okay. I mean? Like, yep. it has, like, a, it has an age barrier. Okay. And technically, middle grade YA and adults are not genres. They are age, age categories. Yep. They're age categories. They're not, it, yeah. So, uh, you have to, it's, and that's where it's hard. That's where it's tricky is because you have this age range of middle grade goes up to about... 13, 14, yeah, something, something like, like that. that yeah. Um, young adult traditionally goes from 14 to nine, 18, 19. Yep. Uh, and from 18 to upwards, you would, originally you would have adult. Right. But because of where society has moved in the last 40 years, right. the adolescent period has 
gotten longer. Um, uh, adults are staying single for longer. They have different life tracks than their parents did, right? Their parents, probably more grandparents, our grandparents now, we're in our 20s. Um, Our grandparents, you know, got married at a young age, had kids really early as a very um, conservative, traditional background. Right. Our parents grew up in the 70s, 80s, a little bit more, a little bit more, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Diverse, kind of, in lifestyle. Yeah, like, you had more options as as a person that you could could do certain things for a certain amount of times and it'd be socially acceptable. Yep. Um, And now you have our generation, who is very much... The, the internet generation, the social media generation. Yep. Um, and so we get to see every kind of lifestyle that is out there. Yeah. And so our period of adolescence lasts longer. You're yep. out of the house for, a, for your, nope, you're in the house for a longer period of time. Yep. Um, a lot of people to save money for college will stay with their parents or, you know, live with their parents after graduation to pay off that debt. So yes. yeah. you have this, this disparity between lifestyles yeah. That then creates an idea or a a perception of the world that is very different from what publishing is used to. Yeah. You know, publishing yep. is used to catering to those three genres, mm-hmm. four genres if you count children's, but three genres that we're talking about. Yeah. But now we have a whole group of kids yep. who is like, I still really relate to some of the things that I did in high school. I am still single. I don't Mm -hmm. have kids. I'm not in a serious relationship. I want to be transported into a really crazy, fantastical world. Yeah. And still relate to it somehow. Yeah. Where the the protagonist isn't a 40-year-old man, right? (laughs) Yeah. Or even even a 40-year-old woman. Like, those, it's just different stages of life. Yes. Me in my mid to upper 20s, I can relate to those a little bit more because I've lived life, even though I'm not in those stages of life, you know, I've, I've been in the workforce yeah. for a while, I pay all my bills, I have all of those aspects of life. Right. But somebody just out of college or just entering college is still a kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, they're not going to be able to or want to <laughs> yeah. try and relate to somebody like that. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to. Uh, I think, I wonder too if like that, that emergence of the new adult age range is causing more discrepancy mm-hmm. with fantasy and sci-fi because then it's like Akatar, mm-hmm. it would it's considered new adult for a lot of like booktubers and book talk and all that kind of stuff and so then is it miscategorized as young adult because it can be so close like the line is so close it's a gray gray area yeah you know it's yeah and that's that's a good question i have no idea i don't know the answers to that yeah it, but like yeah. it's interesting to watch kind of how things get published and mm-hmm. um I don't, I I am not somebody who reads a lot of like the really popular books right when Mm -hmm. they come out just because I don't have money to buy popular books and they (laughs) usually take 18 years for me to get them on the library apps or through holds or whatever. Yeah. And that's just not. So I like, I'm catching up on older stuff and um, finding more underground things. Yeah. And so like all of the popular books that you see on social media, um, if they're a, if they're a good content creator, they'll usually have like the 18 plus Mm. next to their recommendation yeah um and so that kind of gives you an indication of like okay so that's a more mature adult content but it still might be geared towards younger people in that age range so like from 18 to 25 is kind of what new age has become yep right um so if you're still feeling like you really want to read a young adult-esque book yeah but want more adult themes and more adult content you can aim for the new adult category yeah you know yeah so it's just yeah 
Yeah, that <laughs> that adds a whole extra layer of confusing in publishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that kind of also um, brings into the discussion the third layer mm-hmm. of the reader or the community adding some complication into the whole equation with female authors uh and how like when you when you walk into a bookstore you're gonna look for the popular books you're gonna look for the bestsellers you're gonna look for what you know and especially in sci-fi and fantasy that's that's men it's old white men like let's be honest Mm -hmm. like look we love brandon sanderson in this house yeah but he is a middle-aged white man yeah he is. He is. I mean, again, like, I love Tolkien. He's the reason that I write fantasy, but, like, he was an old white man when he was alive. And, mm-hmm. I mean, he's done amazing things for the genre, but there's there were women that came before him that also did amazing things mm-hmm. for the genre. And so there's this, just like, ingra- ingrained sexism mm-hmm. in people yep. that I don't think we want to admit is there. In, when you look at books mm-hmm. you don't and I again I think that's why it it all kind of boils down to like the money right yep I'm not saying that authors automatically go to that aspect but publishing yeah. houses and bookstores do because yeah. they're a business and we live in a capitalist society yeah and so if a book is going to appeal to audiences or they think is going to appeal to audiences in a certain genre or a certain age category yeah. more than it would to the one that the author maybe originally intended it for, they're going to market it and put it in that section mm-hmm. because they want to make the money. They want to make, um, and they want to get, you know, probably more book deals to then create more revenue and yeah. um, money grab stuff. Always a good thing. Yep. <laughs> um, heavy sarcasm on that. Um <laughs> And that's why I'm sure that you off, you have these authors that we're talking about that write under male pseudonyms or yeah. they write under the um, they write under the initials. Um, I mean, you have I so I just quickly wrote down all the ones that I know of: um, N.K. Jemisin, J.K. Rowling, V.E. Schwab, um, S.E. Hinton, and R.F. Kuang. Mm, and yep. all of those people are within have published books within the last twenty years. Yeah. Um, and then you have somebody who, like Robin Hobb, who is a prolific fantasy author. Yep. Who was a who was a woman, and yeah. you couldn't tell that because her name is Robin. Nope. You I know mean, that's a pretty gender neutral name. Yeah. I mean, I saw her her name on a on a list of of fantasy authors, and I I, I thought it was a man. Mm-hmm. For because most fantasy authors are men that mm-hmm. you know of, and yep. so that I mean that's my own like. Your own, your own bias. And even, right, it like, is. and even if you listen to my list of favorite books, yeah, I listed two, I listed, so I listed three men. Yeah. Two of them are high fantasy authors. Yep. And I listed, uh, two women. Yeah. And neither of them are high fantasy authors. It's, yeah. um, and that's not because I dislike female fantasy authors. I, some of my other favorite reads of 2021 have been by female fan- fantasy authors. Yeah. Um, Daughter of Smoke and Bone, amazing. Go yep. read it. Leoni Taylor, any of her stuff, good. Um, <laughs> or something like um, the Wayward Children series by uh, Sean and McGuire. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a series of novellas about kids with uh, oh yeah, you kids me that, that travel through different yep. into different worlds and then oh. get spit back out into the real world. Yes, um, I wouldn't. And that's another, like, new adult one because yeah. it's focused on children who are in their teens, yeah. but it covers very adult 
themes. Yeah. And yeah. has very adult content. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I love all of those authors, but even in my own bias, I often will tend to go, A, for pretty covers. Yeah. Um, if it was published Always. in the 80s and still has the 80s cover, I'm not looking at it. <laughs> um, I refuse. Um, but then I tend to go for a, a male name or a gender neutral name because I can assume or I or I do assume that there is less sexual content in it, which mm. is something that I actively try to avoid. Yep. You know? Um, yeah. And so that's my own bias, and I got to work through that and read, you know, content warnings more than I do um, <laughs> before I randomly choose a book off the shelf. But that's yeah. something that we all have to work through. But it's there, and it's yeah. not good. <laughs> no, no, it's not. The interesting thing, like, with that is that there's these there's the uh, statistics uh, a, an editor from Tor uh, published, well, she published an article about her experience working with authors, male and female, and the statistics behind it. We were talking about it before we started recording. Um, and, I mean, when you look at the statistics, they make sense. One with, like, our society and how things work, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> but it also shows that there are more men that submit high fantasy manuscripts, at least to tour. Mm -hmm. uh, they are um, a publishing house by the way <laughs> yeah they're probably the biggest fantasy publishing house yes yes out there right now yep um and then women typically dominate the young adult and the um is it paranormal yeah and paranormal the, romance yeah, category yeah and so like based off of like what we've been talking about and what we've observed that makes sense but mm -hmm. then there's also the why why is this yep. happening because i know I know there are more women out there than that who want to. So is it that the writing isn't good or is it that they're being judged before their books can get through to the publisher? Are the agents judging them too quickly mm -hmm. or is the publisher judging them and just throwing it out without even looking at it? Mm -hmm. um, or are women just not even trying anymore because they know nothing is going to get through. It's, yeah. Or are they going, like, again, are they going more the self-publishing route? Yes. And that could you know, be the case which is well. a Which is a longer, harder route. Right. But it has more guarantee of it getting out there. Yes. You know? Yeah. Especially if you are somebody who is good at social media. Yeah. I know a ton of authors who are, like, really into the reels or really into, like, um, publishing really fun stuff and engaging with, with their audience. And that's yeah. how they're getting their self-published stuff out there. Mm -hmm. As opposed to the traditional book deals and tour stuff at bookstores and yeah. all that good all those good things yeah. that a publishing house and an agent would do for you. Yeah. You have to kind of finagle all that stuff yourself. Kind of, this is touching back on the disparity with like miscategorization. Miscategorization. Yes. Thank you. Yep. Anytime. <laughs> uh, so Leigh Bardugo, mm -hmm. she wrote Six of Crows. She wrote the uh, Shadow and Bone trilogy. So the Grishaverse, Grishaverse, excuse me. Um, she also wrote an adult novel called Ninth House. And that book, as far as I know, has not been miscategorized. No, like, I've, I've only ever seen it in the adult fantasy section. Yes, but there's not, like, terribly explicit adult content in that book besides language, mm -hmm. which is pretty explicit, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's quite a bit of it, <laughs> now that I think about it. But there's not, there's only one scene I can think about that has sexual content. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, I mean, definitely trigger warnings for it but it's not like this it's not smut there's mm -hmm. nothing 
underlying and maybe that's I don't know maybe that's why mm-hmm. it wasn't miscategorized or is it that the characters are in college uh yeah that could be too because there's know, a definite there's a depth like there is an actual age yeah choice yeah there that's right true. which is another interesting thing I was at Barnes and Noble today uh and I notice this every time I'm in there but the Mistborn trilogy if you've read that as uh, Brandon Sanderson's one of his oh yeah um his more popular works it is it is categorized in both the YA section and the adult fantasy section oh. The YA covers are different than the adult fantasy covers. Oh, wow. Um, and I, I have not done research into why that is. I just think it's very interesting. Yeah. And the main character is a teenage girl, but she's surrounded by this group of misfits that are older yeah. adults. Yeah. Right? And she's kind of taken into this found family thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the there are themes in it that are, that are very adult, that are very mature, mm-hmm. um, but because she's a teenager and because it's younger and it is, I mean, Brandon Sanderson never writes really explicit stuff. Okay. And he's not a very like violent author. He's a very good writer. Yeah. Um, and makes his stories really engaging, even though they're upwards of, you know, 46 hours on an audiobook, <laughs> which is wow. a lot. Yeah. Um, but he can cater to both audiences, right? Yeah. He's got his um, his Steelheart series. He's got the Skyward series, which are both marketed and written for young adults. Okay. But the Mistborn one is kind of in that weird, like, Interesting. category yeah. that, like, every time I'm there, I'm like, Mistborn is, there's, like, seven books right there, you know, seven copies of the trilogy right there. Yeah. And then you go over to the young adult fantasy sec- section, and it's, there's, you know, seven or eight copies of the trilogy That's right there. It's interesting. so interesting. Yeah. And I don't know why, A, either that doesn't happen with, other authors, but right. also maybe other fantasy authors who are women. Right, yeah. Um, hmm. Or, you know, we just put it in a new adult category and finally yeah. make that, like, a section in the bookstore. Right. Because like... that would solve, <laughs> I feel like, a lot of yeah, problems. it would. <laughs> uh, another author uh, I can think of that this has happened to, this is not, this is a, this is a man, uh, but he wrote, co-authored the Illuminate Trilogy, with Amy Kaufman. Uh, she's a fantastic author. Um, mm-hmm. Jay Kristoff is the male author who co-authored it with her, and they also wrote the um, Aurora Rising trilogy. Mm-hmm. And both are, well, I haven't read Aurora Rising, but I've heard great things. I have as well. The um, Illuminate trilogy is fantastic. It's yeah. so good. If I could read one book again for the first time, oh, yeah. it would be Illuminate. Yes. And it's just because of how that book is set up. Yes. Like, solely because of that. Yes. It's so unique. Yes. It's not written like a typical novel. It's not written in prose. Right. There's, it's written in, like, government files and computer chat rooms and, like, a whole bunch. It's amazing. It's, it's good. We could talk about that uh, for a minute. But yes. continue. <laughs> Anyways, so those books are young adult. They're very clearly young adult. Yes. But then Jay Kristoff's other novels are very adult mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for language and sexual content and violence all of the above being really graphic yeah and i've seen his nevernight trilogy categorized as young adult and it is very much not yeah and so there's this like weird i don't know it's like a really weird thing of like he's when authors dip their toes in both young adult and adult then it's like people just assume almost maybe mm-hmm. it's like oh well you only write young adult and it's like well no mm-hmm. no <laughs> mm-hmm. don't say that yeah and i wonder if there's part of it that is if you are 
a prolific enough author, you have more say about where your stuff is published. Whereas yeah. if you're a first or a second time author, right, your publishing house is going to be like, we think this will work better for your mm. for your manuscript, right? Whereas right. Jay Kristoff has a pretty large bibliography, yes. so he can be like, okay, this I'm writing this as an adult novel. Yeah, I've made this. I've made my choice that this is an adult novel. Mm-hmm. I'm putting all the content in it that would a normal like that an adult novel would have. And we're going to publish it that way. And I'm yeah. sure the publishing house is like, okay, sure. Because they want him to publish with them. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. And it's, again, down to the money thing. It is. So it's it's that aspect of um, if you're a, a first or a second time author, there maybe they would, you know, put a, a woman in the young adult category because they feel that that's where she would fit best. Yeah, I mean, if you... I mean, like the tour uh, statistics were saying, like, women are the ones that are typically in the YA manuscript mm-hmm. category. And is that yep. because they're actually YA or because they're viewed as YA? Mm-hmm. It's another question. And when you walk into, like, Barnes & Noble or any other bookstore, it's, like, most like mostly women you see on the shelves. And that character type, too, of, like, the strong woman, strong Girl boss. Girl boss, yeah. Can't really say woman because they're usually teenagers. Yeah. But, uh, you know, challenging the world or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you know. And so it's it's almost like if you have that character in the book, oh, this is YA. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, you're right. I fully agree that, like, if it's a male protagonist, even Mm -hmm. if they're a teenager, they may more often than not, end up in the, the adult yeah. fantasy section yeah, as opposed to the YA section. And, like, yes, what's that face for? Sorry. No, keep going. Okay. I have something to add. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, again, we have I have no numbers to back this up. I have no, like, actual evidence. This is just things that I have seen and things that I am assuming right. based on trends and wisdom. Yeah. Um, and there, there seems to be instances where people can distinguish between the two yeah um so i'm thinking of uh like nk jemison mm-hmm. very clearly adult yeah fantasy work right um even though in the book uh the broken earth trilogy i read the first one even though in that book one of the main characters is uh is a young girl mm-hmm. and then another character is a 20 year old woman and then the last character is a 40 year old woman and so you have three of these three different women um one of whom is a very young girl yeah and so even though you have those ages in that range which would be anywhere from young adult to new yeah new adults plus the uh, the adult at the end yeah um they keep it within the adult fantasy section because they have the content and because mm-hmm. they know that that content is explicitly yeah adult yeah or you have somebody like robert jordan who follows um rand perrin matt um Egwene, who are all teenagers in the beginning yep um and you would think it's kind of like a coming of age story so you would put it in the young adult category yeah no you don't because it's it's not rand's story yeah whether he's the main character or not it's not his story and you you find that out through even through the first book yeah it has multiple bovs it has um you know, kind of, kind of coming at it from all angles. And so that is in the adult fantasy section because you get to watch them all grow through mm-hmm. the 14 books, but it's not about the teenager's journey through right. life. Right. Right. You know, it's about the, it's about the world and he is the person we are viewing it through. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah, because uh, young adult tends to be, from the young adult I've read, it mm-hmm. very, typically very often seems to follow this almost coming of age yes. underlying theme on top of the plot. Yes. And so that's a very defining feature in young adult. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's also a defining factor mm-hmm. in, in some of these books. It just tends, it just so happens that there's also this coming of age kind of thing, but yeah. that cannot be the case with all of them. Right. This has been a good chat. Is there anything yes. else? Did we have any other <laughs> articles? I don't know that we did. I don't think I so. Think I we think we covered everything. Yeah, I think that kind of covers everything. I mean, there's unfortunately not like, I don't know, an extensive amount of research yeah. done on this. It's mostly experience-based and mm-hmm. just first-hand experiences and stuff. Right. I think probably what we're getting at here is that there needs to be more a less sexism yeah um but b to kind of get there maybe some more guidelines of what actually categorizes all of these books into the places that they're being yep you know like what uh what content warnings make an adult novel like you know you have in the movies you have g pg pg 13 and r and then you know all those sorts of things yeah where in that range do we fit are yeah. categories because they have very strict rules mm-hmm. on what can be in movies and not I don't want to say like limit an author's writing in order to make it fit into a category no but at least have those guidelines of like okay if you have an explicit sex scene you're going to be put in the adult category yes whether that's what you're aiming for or not right but we need to make sure that this is yeah regulated somehow right right yep um yeah, and unfortunately, I think that women are going to continue to publish under pseudonyms and under, mm-hmm. um, and under initials. Uh, yeah. I mean, even when I was considering like publishing my own stuff, um, not that I got anywhere close. I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna probably end up publishing underneath my first two initials and my last name. Yeah, because it would just market to more people. Um, yep. And the fact that I had to have that thought instead of just being like, yeah, I'll use my name mm-hmm. is a sad reality. Yeah. I mean, I've thought about the same thing. Because I, I want to be a novelist at some point, And it's like, well, <laughs> I, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of fantasy authors do this. And so it's like, well, you know, follow the trend and not be known as a woman. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tolkien did publish under his initials. That's true. Martin publishes under his initials. Yes. So like, it's maybe just a, maybe we'll maybe we'll try and get it to a point where it's a fantasy thing and yeah. not a female thing. Yes. You know, That'd be I'm lovely. okay with that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Uh, yeah. But also this to another point is that this is the point of this podcast. Yeah. To bring attention to this issue and to recommend female authors to you guys, you. Ladies, you men, whoever's listening. You people. You, you folks, people. Y'all. <laughs> yes. Uh, and to let you know that there are fantastic female sci-fi and fantasy authors out there and help you know who they are and get to know their work better so you can buy with a purpose or rent with a purpose. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what I'm hoping for with this podcast. That's the point of us explaining the deeper parts of this issue to you in this episode and I hope you all learned something (laughs) yeah I for sure did I mean I did this research maybe an hour before oh same (laughs) uh but 
It's fine. It was fun to read these articles, and I have one that I'm going to go back and read because I didn't actually, yeah. like, get through the full thing, but it seemed really interesting. So, yeah. 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 All right. Uh, so, to close out, uh, we're just going to talk super quick about what we're currently reading. Yeah. Sounds so, good. So, do you want to start? Sure. Um, so, my favorite author, um, my favorite fantasy author, probably is um a guy called michael j sullivan um i was first introduced to his stuff in high school and fell in love um he his original series was the rayera revelations published in six books but then published in an omnibus by orbit um so it's three books if you look for it on shelves um that is my favorite series and it was originally self-published i love it he's got a couple other series that happen within the same world um, and so the series I'm reading now happens 800 and some, nope, 900 and some years before the originally published series. Oh, wow. Um, so I'm reading a book called Nolan by Michael J. Sullivan, um, which follows a myriad of characters, <laughs> um, and kind of is in what I would call maybe like the golden age mm-hmm. of their world um the the city that it is based in Persepolis is kind of like the 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 cultural hub of the world okay um i associate it kind of with the library of alexandria where mm. like all of knowledge is housed yeah um and it's kind of going through their adventures and it's a high fantasy series so there's you know there's elves there's dwarves there's um humans and yeah i would suggest reading in publication order you can technically pick up anywhere in any of the series from the beginning and start reading but yeah. publication order you just get so many more like easter eggs Ooh, and like yeah. callbacks to the other parts of the series um so yeah that's what i'm reading right now and i'm loving it so far nice well, that sounds really good yeah what about you uh so i am reading two books right now one is an audiobook one is the paperback uh so i'm listening to uh, the phantom tollbooth by norton jester <laughs> Uh, I tend to listen to audiobooks and podcasts at work, and I just, this one just popped into my head, and I was like, you know what, I loved that book in sixth grade when I read it, so I'm gonna listen to it, because I barely remember it, and it is, it's read by Rain Wilson, uh, who plays Dwight in The Office, and wow, that was a wonderful choice (laughs) for a reader. (laughs) Uh, So it's really good, Uh, it's about this kid who receives a mysterious package, and it's a toll booth. And it transports him into this magical land of words and numbers and kind of teaching the importance of both to children, which is really cool. It is a children's book, by the way, but it's really good. I highly recommend it. Uh, and then I'm also reading The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. And that which one... is not a children's novel. <laughs> it is not. Very much not. It's a high fantasy, uh, really popular, really well known. Um, only the first two books are out. And people are joking that it'll never be finished, the series, <laughs> as uh, with Game of Thrones. <laughs> and uh, so this one's just like a high fantasy following the story of a very powerful young wizard. So not very far, but it's good. Um, the first 50 pages or so are really good. <laughs> 50 but, out of 150 or 1500. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So, um, well, is there anything you want to plug, Noelle? No, not really. Just okay. the, just a CNC replay again. If you listen to Detroit sports, if you want to listen to three idiots talk about sports, <laughs> we're there. 
even if you don't like Detroit sports. Um, otherwise, I got I got nothing. Okay, you know? awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us today and helping me talk about this and cover a little bit more and ramble about our passion. Oh, for of course, this. anytime. <laughs> yes. Um, so thanks again for listening today, and you can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can follow the Instagram at femfatale.pod, and I hope that you'll join me again next week where I'll be talking about Silvia Moreno-Garcia to uh, uh, help honor um, Hispanic Heritage Month in uh, literature, and have a great week. Mm-hmm.